0: You're not here. We're not there. I'm not the chauffeur. I'm the grandfather. Where are you? Asteroid City, farm route 6, mile 75.
1: Last dream. Junior stargazers and space cadets. Each year, we celebrate Asteroid Day, commemorating September 23rd, 3007 B.C., when the arid plains meteorite made Earth impact.
0: da 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 You sound insane. You like that? Oh, yeah! Who will God, play me. Ladies it's showtime. Welcome back to Camp Bam, ma'am. ma'am Fam. Hope you're having a great summer. Get out your mustache wax. Set the typeface to Futura. Cause we're talking Wes Anderson this week. With me, Kent, hosting with my co-host Richard. Hey, buddy. What's going on? You're the Roman to my Sofia Coppola. How are you today? I'm doing excellent, and it would feel weird without you here mm. talking Wes Anderson. I know you're you're a huge Wes Anderson guy. Brian's at another summer camp, and uh, so pray for Brian as he's dealing with uh, campers in his normal life. But minions, some would say. Yeah, we're here to talk Asteroid City. This is a movie that uh, obviously you've been anticipating for a while, but. Seems like the masses have too, Richard, because this one seems to be doing quite well at the box office.
1: Yeah, this has a big cast. Not that he, you know, I think he's definitely a director. A lot of actors and actresses enjoy working with, but um, or or try to work with, but this one's pretty loaded even by his standards. But not so much in the glorified cameo sense, you know, that he'll also do sometimes. Just Just feels more like an ensemble in a lot of ways. So I think that helped. I think the aesthetic was very summery and fun, and and marketing yeah. was pretty good at fit this time of year. Well, it's you know June isn't normally when one thinks of the new Wes Anderson dropping, but certainly uh, kind of fun that it is. And and yeah, it had a real interesting aesthetic. There's also something to him having a moment now because of like all the virality and TikTok of people doing like awful AI imitations of Wes Anderson. Um, and so I think, I think this kind of all just hit at the right moment and, and it did pretty well by, by his standards. 18 million is, is not bad. I've liked Wes Anderson's movies, all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: French dispatch was great. The last one where he talked about on the show, but my standard for these is what Becco four hundred eight did on TikTok, man. I mean, just changing the game, <laughs> totally
1: original. I know, not it's, ripping it's off anyone's style at all. It's a frustrating thing for people that are interested in, in the cinematic qualities of of a lot of movies. But yeah, Wes Anderson is more than just symmetry and bright colors. I would say it's a great writer. Well, great no, satirical writers. Yes, and uh, there's so much depth and interest and in hu- humanity that's kind of juxtaposed against sometimes these very wooden setups. There's there's a lot of purpose to it and all of these things, and it's annoying to see because it is so kind of in. Impri- I don't mean his literally primary colors, but because his style is so primarily colored, it's like so easy to replicate. But pastels, so, yeah. yeah. But it's so hard to it's so hard to actually have the the interest and heart that he often does. There's been right. there've been a few things where he has even had a few movies that felt like someone doing a Wes Anderson movie. Like Darjeeling Limited feels like a parody of a Wes Anderson movie in some ways. Yeah. But the one it really works when you're talking about uh Tenenbaums or Moonrise Kingdom and, and various others it, it 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 works in spite of the sort of obvious aesthetic in in addition to it.
0: Yeah. Me and my wife were she went and saw this one with me. My my in-laws are randomly huge Wes Anderson fans. Okay. Father-in-law who who loves metal music is it's pretty much cause they go hand in hand. Metal mm-hmm. music and Wes Anderson aesthetics. Obviously. I would say that that's a pretty obvious, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs>
1: yeah. I used to just to make. roll in Pantera on, Throw on Rushmore and just sing Respect Walk over and over again yeah. during the Bill Murray scenes. You know me
0: like 1999 it was Marilyn Manson and Fred Astaire like that was my life <laughs> mhm just those yeah. two aesthetics yeah, obviously <laughs> it's just very,
1: obviously so funny it's just yeah. a it's a very funny thing steve zizou yeah. and tool if only that portuguese guy had done tool songs instead of david bowie yeah
0: and zoe and i were like yeah we went and saw no country for old men the other day the other week it was awesome and he was like crap Wow, like super in on Wes Anderson. Yeah, I I mean that's a real hot take. Loves Lebowski. I think everything he likes has some kind of comedic tone to it. I think I figured that out. Doesn't do well with a a hard drama. So anyway, he was very excited for this. He sat us down six weeks ago and was like, "All right, let's pick our seats. We're the only ones." (laughs) It was like beginning of May. It's like, okay, we good thing we bought those tickets early, because yeah. we wouldn't have been able to get into this. It's not like it's Spider-Man or something. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we got him. He's very excited. We did the Alamo Draft House experience. First time I'd done that probably since Tenet, I believe, during the pandemic. Yeah. So that was a return to form in an area that I had dearly missed. How was your uh, screening?
1: Mine was fun. I wanted to Alamo this, but I, I couldn't make it work. So I went down the street. You know, I've got that little cinemark right up the street that I see most things at now because like the little IMAX one? Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of my go to. It can be hit or miss in terms of the audiences. Like uh, you know, we we've ranted about this before. COVID broke a lot of our group etiquette. People are used to just sort of <laughs> uh pretending they're the only ones there. But this one was fine because I was, in fact, the only one there. So I got a private screening in a little room. I think there was one other person in there, but it was like one of those I couldn't even tell. So it worked out great. Awesome. A private screening.
0: Yeah. So my wife and I were talking about this after we saw it. And uh, yeah. you know, I'll, talk, I'll talk about my father-in-law's review once we I would love that. dig more into the movie. But we're just talking about the reception of this, the whole week of, of Wes Anderson on TikTok, mm-hmm. that, the way that went down. So, for those of you who don't know the story, basically, people have been trying to remake his style on TikTok, Mm -hmm. right? And somebody went on TikTok and said, can you imagine being Wes Anderson, working your entire career to establish an identity, and then Becca408 goes on there and in five minutes does your aesthetic, right? And that obviously went viral in the film world. People had a lot of commentary on that, and- Wes Anderson's response was, yeah, when people send those to me, I delete them. I don't want it. Which my wife was like, why would you say that? I was like, yeah, that's kind of a good point. Like, why would you not want people talking about you? I guess he's protective over his image yeah. and his aesthetic. He didn't want to become a bit. I understand that. But I see it as certainly a great sign of admiration to Definitely. put the Definitely. effort to, to try to do that.
1: And yeah, it's, he's, he's so obviously stylistic. His style is so, and I don't mean this obvious that it's easy. Stylized, but it's like, right. Yeah. It's so, he's so stylized and so thus very easy to mimic with no, it, it's- Throw a filter on it. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Well, and not, I hate
0: to boil it down to that, but, but I mean, people not, have created it, Wes Anderson filters for that exact reason. And my response to that was, I understand taking someone's aesthetic right homaging that creating your version of that. That's fine. Sure. Try creating your own aesthetic, right? (laughs) That's what Wes Anderson did. Yeah, that's all him. Every ounce of this film, Grand Budapest, whatever you want to call that came from nothing. Yeah, that came from his brain from he from the ether, right? So this entire look is because of him. It's not like he ripped it off from something. Of course, he's inspired, right? But if you want to like emulate Wes Anderson, create a completely fresh new style of cinema. Right. That's what I would challenge you to
1: do. That is enduring over 25 years now. That's more fresh now than
0: it has ever been. Right.
1: Right? Yeah, I think
0: the internet, right. uh, you know, you talk about comparing him to his peers, right? The Spielbergs, the Tarantino's, mm-hmm. the Finchers. Wes Anderson's movies do a lot better on the internet than those movies. Yeah. Like
1: Well, they're memeable
0: moments. Yeah, they're uh, you know sharing. Oh, look how great this shot looks. You know, breaking down this movie, talking about the cast. Right, I think this his films lend themselves to online conversation and more sharing than
1: a lot of movies do. Yeah, I think he's so undervalued. I mean, he often has a co writer, but you know, I think he's so undervalued as a screenwriter too. I mean, he's been nominated a couple times, but that's to me what makes this. I mean, maybe that's just my brain. I'm less visual than you, but like. His ear for dialogue and that sort of noir stilted, but very funny and oftentimes absurd dialogue that he writes um, is is to me the fun part, you know, like I think about, you know, when I think of Wes Anderson, I think of, you know, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of people believe that Custer died in the Battle of Big Little Bighorn, but what this book presupposes is maybe he didn't. Like I think about lines like that more than like, uh, style, uh, you know, the style of or framing of of shots. So um, he's such an underrated writer, and it's fun to see him in this 1950s world because he has this kind of take on classic film writing, you know, his even movies that are set in, in current times have a kind of stilted way of, you know, a very uh, Turner classic movies way of speaking. And so it's fun to see him kind of be able to lean into that with the time frame of this. So uh, French Dispatch had a bit of that as well. But um, I thought this was a little more successful in that. Yeah,
0: exactly. A lot of reviews coming out for this kind of saying the same bits, and we've repeated this if you've listened to any of our Wes Anderson talks in the past decade, they all have started out the same way, right? Mm-hmm. This is the most Wes Anderson-y, Wes yeah. Anderson movie so far. And and this one's no different, right? Sure. This, there's an argument to be made that this is the most Wes Andersony y Wes Anderson movie. And um my wife was reading me a quote from, I can't remember, it was New York Post or somebody reviewing this that said, Something like Wes Anderson doesn't listen to his critics mm-hmm. enough. He's so caught up in his own thing that he can't get out of it. And my response to that is, do you want Wes Anderson
1: to not be Wes Anderson? Right. This is who he is. And he might miss sometimes, but he hits more than he misses for not listening to any criticism. I'll take that. I'd rather have someone, you know, with their own vision without without taking in too much other input. And and mm-hmm. maybe they miss one out of three times, but the other two times really hit and are unique. Than trying to be safe and just kind of make whatever the consensus version of a Wes Anderson movie is or the watered down version, right? I, just Wes Anderson,
0: uh, you know, too artsy. Right. Be less artistic here. Like That's I just fun. don't see that as a ever a possibility. I mean, sure, his movies in the past, Rushmore, and maybe even Tenenbaums, wasn't like super in on this aesthetic, but. He was figuring out what his aesthetic was at that point still. And Absolutely. now that he kind of knows what he likes, he's going to lean into that. And so it reminds me of when Dave Grohl, Nirvana, breaks up and they he starts the Foo Fighters. People were super angry that they sounded kind of like Nirvana. Mm-hmm. And his response to that was, do you want me to start a reggae band? Yeah, Like, this is what I do. This is my thing. Rock and roll with
1: guitars and melodies like I can't do that it reminds me I was in I was in Barcelona a few years ago this is kind of a highfalutin story I don't mean it that way at all but I kind of when I'm on vacation I don't really I'm not a big I hate everything with like a tour guide I don't like going and waiting lines in lines museums I just like to go and and just like chill in a city and my wife was like we have to go the only thing I want to do is like see the cathedral and go to the Picasso museum and obviously Picasso has works all around the world both in private collections and in galleries and museums all over the world. But the Picasso Museum has a obviously a large collection of them. And the cool thing about it is that you go through the the museum chronologically. And so you kind of see him discover his style. And the stuff that's most Picasso-y, as one would say, if that's a if that's an adjective, is like the stuff at the end. It's kind of it reminds you of this with Les Sanders. Not that he's at the end, but he has now found his aesthetic. His style, his everything, and instead of tempering back from that, he's just going to make that explode in every frame because that's you know that's the choice he's he's chosen to make. And you know, you, when you go through those Picassos, his early stuff is very—it's cool to see him do still lifes and very simple things. But once he finds yeah. the the kind of Cubist style or whatever, it's right. he It just everything leans into that. So like hard Lichtenstein it's so cool.
0: before he found comics, right? Yeah, for sure. He's still a good artist, but he didn't have a distinct style. Yeah. And then he became Roy Lichtenstein, right? Yeah, um, and this, Absolutely. This, when you see something he did, you automatically recognize it as him, right? When you see a frame of a Wes Anderson movie, no question mm-hmm. whose movie it came from, right? And I think, Le- Wes, lean into it more. I, I want you to be Wes Anderson. That's what makes you great. Uh, so this movie, huge ensemble cast. I was excited for it, Richard, because I'm a big UFO sci-fi conspiracy guy. Yeah, you are. Conspiracy guy, so to hear Wes is going to do this and then set it in like mid-century America in this, I don't know, extremely pastel time to begin with. Mm. I I loved that. So when you mix that vintage architecture, those vintage cars, all the clothing with his dialogue, with this kind of cartoony take on this subject matter, I thought it was a great combination. What about you?
1: Yeah, same. I thought, you know, one of those from the first few frames of the trailer you're going oh this is a cool world for this when director meets an interesting time and interesting story to insert their aesthetic into it it was it was i loved it and then you st- and then the sort of cavalcade of of stars starts popping up in the trailer and you go oh well okay now this is interesting that's that
0: scarlet was talking in uh, the press junket about like there were so many people i didn't even know were in it She's like, I just show up one day and Willem Dafoe's there. I'm like, wow, Willem Dafoe's in this movie? This is awesome. (laughs) Yeah, it's wild. It's amazing. I liked that. So he has uh, templates that he kind of uses with his films, right? Mm -hmm. With Tenenbaums, it was the book. Mm -hmm. And you've got the play aspect with Rushmore. And obviously, the French dispatch is the newspaper, Mm -hmm. right? So this movie, how did you feel about his breaking the fourth wall on this one, meaning that this is all basically a play.
1: Mm -hmm. It was very much surprising to me. I did not know that going in, which is cool. I mean, that's what you want. The trailer did a good job of really teasing this without giving hardly anything away, which I loved. Because I was so kind of startled by that framing device, it's like all I've been thinking about since I've seen it for sure was that. And I think I've come around that I really like it. I think it makes
0: it so much more than... What it would be on the surface of a trailer, right? It gives you this this other whole nother reason to go dig in and see what what Wes is trying to say there
1: because you I see think, someone put this up in like twenty years, right. Like take that part out and do it as a
0: play. It'd be kind of cool that would be interesting. yeah, I think this this definitely could work in that way. I love the framing device of Cranston mm-hmm. there and and Edward Norton and that whole the way they shot that with the old theater I thought was was really special. And then it starts to make sense why this world, this asteroid city world, is so plastic. Mm-hmm. And it feels like a Wile E. Coyote cartoon. It does. Very good. If they like made sure. one at Six Flags or something yeah. <laughs> like those weird facades that they put up at Six Flags to make you feel like you're in the cartoon, that's what it felt like. Mm-hmm. So I loved that. And here was my father in law's main criticism mm-hmm. he said, I would have liked the movie a lot more. If it was just an asteroid city and they didn't cut to the play, okay. Well, my I said, then it wouldn't have been the the movie. That was the movie. That yeah. was the point of this was that it was a play. No, so absolutely. it kept him yeah. from enjoying it. I don't. I he was out of it it, it, it. it actually Definitely. enhanced my enjoyment.
1: But it is. I will to his point. I think it's. It is jarring at first. You're kind of. It does take you out of it a bit. But in 2023, it's. That's an interesting framing device I think, you know. When we when It's we, like why can't we're well Wes into Anderson postmodernism here. So having that kind of stuff is I think cool if you do it well.
0: Yeah, it's like why can't he just make a movie set in the 50s, right? It does it, there always has to be some kind of twist to that concept with him, mm-hmm. which I think right. makes him a really interesting filmmaker, but I think he would have just yeah. preferred like, oh, I just rather have had it been a normal story and mm-hmm. I totally can see that. I was very excited for Schwartzman to be starring in this because I think he's a great leading man, if used correctly in the right role. And Wes Anderson like recognized that, gadget, obviously. I right. Or, yeah, we're playing off Tim Robinson. But I, I thought he was great guy here. guy here now. I thought he was great here. I thought the casting overall was really um, spot on. Was. There was only one person I thought was miscast, and, I, and I'm and i curious to see if
1: you thought it was the same person I did. Was it Hanks? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of a weird... But Hanks isn't a weird part of his career. He seems miscast in everything lately. I don't know if it's so... He's so iconographic. You know, unless he's like a submarine captain in 1941, he seems... Odd and things so, very suddenly. And it's not that he's giving bad performances. I don't know what it is, but he's in a weird. I think it's like he is part of it is he is perpetually 45 in everyone's brain and now he's 65. And so it's weird when he's, but you understand intellectually that, of course, he's going to play older parts, but something about him should always be. He has kind of a youthful, but also. Old-timey way of speaking. I don't know. Something about him is he's not pulling off this last era of his career, as you would certainly think he would. And I don't know if it's just a a weird thing of genetics or or history with him or what. I don't know what it is.
0: There are some actors that just fit like a glove into this world. Yeah. I mean, you can put him – Jeffrey Wright, you know, put him in there. Great. it's great. Carell, you know, put him in this one, and he was great. Mm Mm-hmm. It's just something about Hanks that he just didn't elevate the material beyond what was on the page. I kept thinking to myself, like, if that role was Bill Murray, that would have been such a more memorable yeah. part of the movie.
1: He looked cool. Tom Hanks looked cool. Yeah, it? It looked he looked great. Yeah. Cool cool hair, right? Yeah, the hair was cool. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. I had the exact same thought. It just felt, and I felt that the lot. La- I mean, I felt it going back to like the post, Suddenly yeah. everything he's doing seems like an impression of Tom Hanks doing a movie or something in everything. Mm. And then you add it to something so stylized like this and it's just even more jarring. Yeah. Good point. So love Schwartzman. We get ScarJo. What did you think about
0: their relationship? The relationship between Schwartzman and Tom Hanks with the uh, mother who had passed away and the daughters mm-hmm. and that, and that whole aesthetic. That was my favorite part of the movie was the, the daughter's, Dialogue. Mm-hmm. I thought that was great. I first thing I said to my wife as we left, I said, I bet Wes Anderson has daughters because you can't write hmm. that good a dialogue for kids and not have kids, right? Yeah,
1: go ahead and back to we Moonrise looked it Kingdom, up and yeah, Moonrise. he had a
0: daughter in uh 2017, I think. Yeah. So right about that age. It makes total sense. Even before
1: he had them, right? Moonrise Kingdom, things like that. He's always written kids pretty well. Yeah, he has. Yeah. Because there's something I don't know, something about his writing that kids can deliver really well. This just um, but felt I like you're right.
0: even not the lead like dialogue, but just the off the cuff, right? Um, like what? What did she say? Like a minute is thirty two thousand hours, or something mm. like thirty two thousand miles. Things like that had to have been something like his kid said. Yeah, and he just put it in there because it was funny because it's so accurate. And I thought the field trip kids were were great as well.
1: Yeah, agreed. Uh, Schwartzman was was great again. Haven't seen him as a lead in something like this in a long time. Um, so it was fun to see him. You know, beyond just a supporting role, Scarlett is is you know she's such a natural. Um, and it, I don't mean to reduce her to this because she's proven to be way more. But it's fun to see her do this in that classic Hollywood sense of like that ultimate yeah. kind of femme fatale. Oh, um, I she, loved it. She fits a. She's you know she's just got that natural charisma on that front, and she shouldn't do that every role. But it's it's always fun to see her bust out that that move whenever she can. Just like you know on the male side, it's like it's fun to watch like Brad Pitt be hot in a movie, you know, it's like, (laughs) it's fine. Mm. Um, and she, and, uh, and, and not, not just that they're hot, but then like the chemistry that creates with all the other kind of fluster of Jason Schwartzman and all of that, um, that creates natural organic comedy and drama and steaminess and everything you would want. So that, that worked really well. Um, I loved, I love Tilda Swinton in this. Um, yeah, she was (laughs) really cool. Brody, Adrian Brody, Brody popped up. Yeah, Le- Adrian Brody and both—they'll pop up in these from time to time, and and they're they're
0: good. I don't, I forgot Adrian Brody was in it until yeah. I like went home and watched started the press junket. I was like, why is Adrian Brody in this press junket? Yeah. Was he in the movie? I completely forgot he was in it. Loved uh, loved seeing Matt Dillon too. Yes, we talked about him on the Outsiders. Did we do? Yeah, maybe something like that about how yeah, this is a guy who is so talented. Why is he yeah. not used more? <laughs>
1: And talking this about A great. couple weeks ago, I was driving home from New Mexico and I put on the, uh, in my ears, uh, Sarah, Sarah and Jude were asleep and I listened to uh, Downey. Robert Downey was on the Dax podcast, Dax Shepard's podcast, and he was talking about that whole era of guys that Dylan was the one that they all thought was like, going to oh, be yeah. the one. When he you watch the like, movie, when you watch yeah. The
0: Outsiders, like this guy, I mean, yeah, yeah
1: Rob Lowe's fine. Yeah. You yeah. know? It's but. funny too. It's that thing of, high, you know, I you don't know. Every once in a while, you hang out with someone, or I'll see someone that like was like a cool alpha when I was like 15, you know. And maybe they're sometimes they still are, and sometimes they're like total losers. But I still like revere them. Like I, you know, you fit back into that mode from when you were 15, and like, wow, that's so and so, so cool. My wife's yeah. like, well, that guy's a loser. Mm-hmm. And not that Matt Dillon's a loser by any means, but I just mean that same effect as you when you listen to Robert Downey and talk about Matt Dillon, it's like, he still like thinks Matt Dillon's like the biggest, like a way yeah. bigger star than him. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, bro, yeah. you were Tony Stark. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> That's but, so funny. Gosh, we watched Tropic
0: Thunder. My wife had never seen it.
1: Was he, Sarah's never seen like, it either. I need the show like to her. Like
0: two weeks ago. And I swear I laughed. It's very funny. Just as hard this time as I ever have. Yeah. It, it makes me laugh every single time. Yeah. When Jack Black running out of the drugs kills me. (laughs) The way he plays that throughout the movie just is so effing funny. Oh my God. Um, All right. Yeah, Scarlett Johansson, you're right. There's a scene in this where they go back to the play, the black and white stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think she's sitting in a train car or something maybe. I just thought to myself, I was like, man, Alfred Hitchcock would have just loved Scarlett Johansson. What a classic. Norman Rockwell, if he would, he would have painted a movie star. Right. That's what it would, she just fits the almost porcelain doll aspect of really? it. Can
1: fit in any, in any era of, of movies, I think. Just and, to anger you successful. now, I'm only going to refer to her for here, for here, hereafter as uh, Scarlett Joest Hansen. <laughs> pretty smart for, for call it uh, the one smart thing he's ever done. <laughs> All right, what did you think of? <laughs> what do you think of the kind of how this, how this, not not a, not just the play reveal Interspice, but how do you think of how it all came together with the the epilogue and all of that?
0: I thought that was a great scene. I had mm-hmm. seen chatter online about the Margot Robbie moment. I didn't know that how that would play. I thought that was the best way they could have explained all this, mm-hmm. right? And why this emotion is the way it is why Schwartzman was acting the way he was, why Johansson was acting the way she was, right? What the motivations behind Mm -hmm. these actual people are. It was such a short moment, like a what? Five-minute scene, maybe? Mm -hmm. Not even that. But it just set everything in context so well. And uh, yeah, I see that as really like the thesis of the movie scene. Yeah. What a great moment. So yeah, like for me to imagine this movie without any of those moments, it's hard for me to do. (laughs) It makes it so much more than just oh, we're hanging out in 1950s. Look at this weird alien, guys. Yeah. Oh, look how quirky we are. You know, mm-hmm. like actually puts it into some real intellect. <laughs> yeah, And so that is, is great. What'd you think about the satire of the UFO story? Yeah. See, see something, cover it up, never talk about it. That whole aspect of it. it I thought it was really interesting, especially with the timing right now.
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It reminded me very much, and I mean this with the highest of high praise. You know this. This is not a critique whatsoever. It reminded me of a Simpsons episode at points. Yeah. It had a very... Kind of like Simpson-y- the monorail yeah. Uh, episode. Yeah. yeah. But just the way they handled the UFOs and all that. And even kind of this, the look of it is kind of simpson y mm-hmm. with a lot of yellows in there and things like yeah, that. Yeah, I didn't yeah, even that's catch the, that. Yeah, that's the a great. The whole time of the, of the alien stuff, I was thinking Simpsons for some reason. That's a good point. I loved how he did that
0: animation. Yeah. The choices he makes oh, I'm going to do this in animated or, oh, I'm going to do this as a miniature instead. I think our our moments of genius, having the little Roadrunner be a puppet was great. I thought that Alien, the way the Alien came out of the UFO and the little mm-hmm. tripod thing that came out and the yeah. way it extends out and all these little pieces start to come out, I was just like, man, you just see Wes Anderson in every frame of this. Because oh, you yeah. could just see him telling the guy, okay, I want this to come out like mm-hmm. this at this angle and I want... I mean, yeah, only absolutely. that guy can kind of think of those those little things. And then to like have one small moment backstage where you see Goldblum as the alien
1: was was incredible too. Cracked me up. Got an out loud laugh out of me.
0: Yeah. Uh, so when the alien poses with the meteor, that's like the the moment of the movie. That was so good. It was hilarious.
1: We're getting more
0: Wes this year, right? He's doing a 30 minute Netflix something? Oh, is that
1: what that is? Okay. The Roald yeah.
0: doll thing? Yeah. Okay. So that's uh, apparently being done now or he's doing that this fall. Okay. But it came out this past weekend that his next movie is with Benicio.
1: Mm, and it's a Benicio. father-daughter Speaking SBN, of ScarJo, that's story. one of the best Hollywood stories ever. It makes you like both of them a lot. You right. Can, you, our listeners can Google that. Benicio's Benicio cool,
0: uh, is awesome. Yes. He was great in French, French Dispatch. I'm excited to see what he does it again? Uh, yeah, it's his father-daughter espionage story. So maybe a little, you know, kind of paper moon tone or something. Yeah. I could see that'd be that'd cool.
1: Be, be pretty interesting. What yeah. would
0: you love Wes Anderson to do though? Like if he could take on any kind of,
1: I you know, I would era. like him to do nothing I've ever heard of. What's the answer to that? Like I don't yeah. need to see Wes Anderson's Spider Man or anything like that. Like, I'm no, cool. I'm not. Th- I mean, like, what era of history would you like to see? Oh, history. Oh man, I don't know. I yeah. would love to
0: see him do like a Civil War era movie. <laughs> yeah. Yes, with like muskets, uh, and, like, Gladiator Three, campfires, and pre-industrial mm-hmm. America would be an That'd interesting be cool. thing.
1: Yeah. Sure. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't mind trying. I, I think he could do something cool with like the hippie sixties. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff. But I just he writes cool, interesting, fun stories. And wherever those happen to be set, I'm 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 here for it going forward. That like I said, is he does not bat a thousand with me at least. But when he does, they're always my favorite movies of the year. And uh, you know, just keep taking swings, man. And he hits, you know, he hits seven fifty or something. It's not like he makes a lot of a lot of schlock. So where would you rank this compared to his most recent movie? So I'm a seen. little, and I don't know if it's just my age or, you know, you and I are kind of, of a perfect generation for him. Cause I first started watching him like my freshman year of high school. I think I saw Rushmore and then Tenenbaums the next year and mm-hmm. off and running. Right. Um, Bottle Rock, Bottle Rock and I went back and saw later in high school retroactively, but, but, uh, but we we're a pretty good era. I prefer on the whole, um the earlier stuff i think a lot of people like the the more the last five or so more but i'm a i'm a tenenbaums and rushmore guy zizu even but i all that to say see i'm not as high in moonrise kingdom as a lot of people though as well i would say tenenbaums is probably my one budapest is probably my number two though that's the more the more recent one that i love just so much and then rushmore is probably three and maybe this number four
0: yeah for me. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Rushmore is like a top ten of all time for me. So yeah. that's number one. Then Tenenbaums. Bombs. Moonrise Kingdom and Grand Budapest are kind of neck and neck for me right okay. now. Maybe it's just because I spent time in Boy Scouts. So that one Yeah. It's really a lovely movie. Hits Moonrise like is a great, but It's like a childhood for it tone. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. Totally. Grand Budapest is the one that I think most people I talk to in my daily life say is their favorite. I love his animated movies too. I like Olive Dogs and Fantastic yeah, Mr. Fox as the well. Thing that, but this is this is like, I mean, this is like top five Wes material. I think it's really good. Um, I couldn't. I, to your point earlier, I could not believe he wrote this himself. Well, he did it with Roman Coppola. Well, the story, but yeah. the screenplay, like the dialogue, yeah. I can't. A, I can't believe so
1: one person can come up with. He's a great dialogue. All right. of that, right? Because some of my favorite quotes in history are Wes Anderson lines and that to me that's so much more his story than you know symmetrical framing yeah. um the thing that's great about Budapest I wanted to say he writes such great ensemble movies and not to take away anything from the supporting cast of Budapest but it's pretty awesome just to get give Ray Fiennes just all the best lines in that and just let him cook it's yeah you know what I mean like that is such a showcase for Ray Fiennes and it's unique for Wes to do that and it's so cool that one's held up
0: extremely well too. I remember walking out of that one and just being like, "Oh my god, that's one of the best movies I've ever seen." Yeah. You know, it was just unbelievable in the theater. It was. All right, did we see that it, together? I saw it in—I don't think so. I saw okay. it in Fort Worth when I
1: was—I okay. saw still it in, in college. Almo. The Alamo and Richardson. We used to do events at because yeah. I have a picture on me. one of my first Instagram pictures is me and Sarah in like the co- they had like a setup where you could get in the costumes for it, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that's right. oh yeah." I saw yeah, that yeah. recently. I did get a cool lunchbox from Heck alamo yeah, did.
0: an asteroid city lunchbox with the thermos nice i love his art so you know it's cool to have his art on things you don't see a lot of wes anderson action figures out there right no so, you don't.
1: <laughs> gotta get the merchandising
0: it's, when it's uh, available
1: what's the great christopher guest these are <laughs> is it the remains of the day action figures or lunchbox there's two at the end of guffman where he's oh yeah yeah, the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and
0: <laughs> i uh my buddy has a record label here uh-huh. in Dallas. And I want him so bad to do the uh Mighty Wind record with no hole in it. Oh, yeah. Punch your own he, hole.
1: He absolutely should.
0: Like, actually make the record with no hole in it. <laughs> and tell people I would to punch buy their it. own Yeah. So many people would buy it just to have it and no, see it like, punch your own oil. hole. <laughs>
1: That's the folksmen, right? That are doing that one. Yeah. Them?
0: Yeah. See, it, looked, it didn't it sell well because
1: cool. you had to punch your own hole. <laughs> oh great um all right can we just get uh, mascots was so not it and it's a bummer but can we just get one more chris guest movie that's great
0: i mean is it even worth doing christopher guest movies without fred willard though
1: come on it is tough i mean that's that's definitely a great thing that they had not that there's so many funny characters in them but it was great where you could just put the camera in fred willard and be like hey be funny for eight minutes and he mm-hmm. always good. <laughs>
0: what would you grade asteroid
1: city at
0: richard <sighs> and so what was tough. your favorite scene actually my favorite scene was the well, song that the kids sang
1: oh that was it because really Rup- that's not rupert. the one you texted me about
0: with Ru- <laughs> uh. <laughs> with rupert friend yeah who is also very well cast and looks <laughs> like he could have been a 1950s country singer.
1: <laughs> I loved all the stuff with Corel. was probably my favorite. The hotel manager stuff. Oh,
0: the little vending machines
1: yeah. he had, the cocktail yeah. vending machine. How cool was that, man? That was awesome. So that was probably my favorite. Yeah. Great. I'm going to give this yeah. just a solid A for now. What about you, buddy? I, yeah, same. Solid
0: A. Okay. Might be an A plus at yeah, some point. It could go
1: up. I could be surprised if it went down, but right now, a, well, probably it, my it, favorite of the year. Really, we're early. I, that's what I told my wife, that it was
0: the best movie I'd seen this year. She's like, really? I'm like, yeah, it's not a great indication it's not a yeah a great year so far in terms we of- We haven't
1: the, seen Joker 2 yet, though, bro. I have
0: not. But I have seen another movie that I want to talk about in Weekly Recommends, so let's do that. Boom, let's do it.
1: Weekly Recommends.
0: So I saw a movie this past week. I had been meaning to see it in the theater, but it don't think it's out in the theaters anymore. Finally watched Bo's Afraid. Oh, yeah. And, uh, man, what a <laughs> what a movie. Mm-hmm. Certainly, like, up there with this, in terms of my, my favorite of the year, I just think Ari Aster is so talented. <laughs> I mean, I'd have never seen, maybe since Spielberg, like, somebody use... The camera and editing, like he does, mm-hmm. and it's just fantastic. It's like he has the aesthetic, like the instincts of Spielberg, but like the mind of Kubrick. Yeah. So you get this extremely like obvious camera work with this kind of dark undertone to it, and I just love it. So you'll—I don't know if you watched this yet. Have you? Um, I have not yet. No. I'm interested to see what you think of of Joaquin's performance because it's certainly. In my opinion, one of
1: one of uh, his best. I mean, he's got some good ones, so that's high praise. Yeah,
0: um, that's it's not awesome. it's not like Arthur Fleck level, <laughs> but it's up there. Fleck Nation. Um, I'm, exci- I'm I'm very interested to see like how this movie holds up throughout the year, though, and if it gets any awards buzz or anything like yeah. that, because it kind of came and went in the theaters and. Yeah. It's such a big movie, kind of like the Everything Everywhere, like the yeah. scale of it is huge. So, Nathan uh, Lane, I don't too, know. man. 18, God, Lane. dude, wait till you see Nathan Lane. You're going to be Nathan like, Lane. this guy's my favorite actor of all time. Yeah, he's so good. Just, he's, just, he's, just wait. i excited for you to see it. So, yeah, he's Bo's Afraid, man. now out on digital. Uh, the fourth, third movie, full-length movie from Ari Aster. Yeah. And I think he's uh, got some... some Problems with his mom. Go talk to your mom, Ari. Call your mom. <laughs> see how she's doing. I Call see a theme mom. here <laughs> <It's> <laughs> with all of these. Check them out. Um, it, uh, check it out. Uh, Bo is Afraid. Now available. What's your recommend, Richard?
1: Mine is a TV show that's back for season two, and that is The Bear. Nice. Yeah. One of the best. Got some insane cameos this year, which sometimes these shows get when they when they have a good first year. Um, but none of them take you out of it at all. Um, they're just really good. And, uh, I love, you know, it's a great, God, it'll make you hungry, but, uh, it's it, to me, it's similar. It's like, I related almost, the tension is almost, um, Kirby enthusiasm ish sometimes like it's so, but like manic, um, it's just a really interesting, interesting show in terms of pace and editing and writing. And, uh, they did not sophomore slump. This season's awesome. So uh, the Bear season two on Hulu FX, you know wherever it is.
0: I saw somebody on online do like a, a fake mm-hmm. Bear segment where they did like the Bear, but it's Kraft Mac and Cheese. That's, <laughs> and yeah, that's and somebody's yeah. making like. I'm do, you do way, first? Chefs, Open the, the box. Open the box. What? Open the box. Chef. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> pretty Sorry. good um my recommend is i Afraid." So nice. i already did it all right brian's recommend is hereditary <laughs> i want yeah. you guys to watch and
1: experience that so check that let's out let's get that up on the social hereditary yep for sure
0: well have a great fourth of july richard this Hello. weekend Be is renovating a bathroom jealous uh no this weekend is Indiana Jones, yeah, it is. and uh, so go out, see that with the fam, have a good time, celebrate America. If you're in America, and if not, celebrate America anyway. You know. Yeah, in we Portugal, don't do anything wrong, so just celebrate, celebrate America.
1: Yeah, 100. Until uh, uh,
0: next. Uh, by the way, we have a retrospective episode episode out on the VIP with Batman, Shane, Richard, and Brian talking Indiana Jones, the uh, the previous films so check that out the rare moment Kent you weren't on it Brian acknowledged that there's four I'm going to have to uh, double check that because I don't believe you (laughs) we'll be talking about all that next week as we dive into more Indiana Jones talk but for Richard and Kent we love you talk to you soon goodbye hey
1: baby I hear the blues are calling Toss salads and scrambled eggs Oh, e oh,